0: Welcome to Science Bites, a podcast from Australia's leading supercomputing and big data research facility, the National Computational Infrastructure. You'll be hearing from some of our users about their careers, their scientific research, what excites them about the work they do, and how supercomputing and data technologies help them make scientific discoveries. Coming from all around the world and from a huge range of scientific disciplines, they are the people behind the science headlines you see every day. And now it's over to Andy, who is in conversation with today's guest, Dr. Crystal Scheer.
1: Crystal Scheer is a master's student in science, specialising in aviation meteorology at the University of Melbourne and at the Australian Research Council's Centre for Excellence for Climate Extremes. Thanks for chatting with us today, Crystal.
0: Good morning, Andy. Hello.
1: And where do we find you today?
0: I'm from Melbourne currently. I live in Melbourne and I go to Melbourne Uni. So today I'm actually work from home and I'm happy to join you guys at
1: home. Awesome. I'm from home as well. (laughs) Seems to be a lot of that going around for some reason. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lots of us are keeping a keen eye on the climate, but what prompted you to pursue it academically? I always loved
0: looking at the sky. When I was little, my grandparents will watch the weather report on televisions four times in the afternoon. And that somehow, I guess, runs in the family that I just love looking at the sky, looking, enjoying the weathers, enjoying the changing of weathers. And yeah, I just accidentally found out that Melbourne Uni provides this major um, for undergrad. And I just put my hand up and that's where the journeys begin.
1: And why aviation meteorology specifically?
0: I love travel and I love looking at the planes and mm-hmm. I was contemplating, you know, what kind of job that can link weather and planes together and aviation meteorology sounds the perfect fit.
1: Yeah. And I suppose pilots need would need to study meteorology. From what I've read, they actually need to study um, a component of meteorology for their to qualify as a pilot. Yes,
0: that's right. They do need to go through some sort of theory and practice with that but also behind the scene, the um, Bureau of Meteorology or some services, they will provide the weather briefing for the industry. So that is some sort of starting point for me that I don't want to fly, but I also want to get to know more about the industry. And I found this as a study that meet all my needs and interests.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I suppose there is a lot at stake in knowing your upcoming weather conditions when you're uh, flying a a magical tube through the air with wings and lots of people. Yeah. So what brought you to the ARC Centre of Excellence for Climate Extremes?
0: So during undergrad time, I was really lucky to be given a scholarship with the Centre of Excellence for a little project focusing on the Melbourne Extreme Rainfall.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So from there, I met the centre. I met my current supervisor, um, Dr Sadie Hitchcock and Professor Todd And then we chat a bit more and uh, somehow they call another project master level about aviation meteorology about turbulence and that just definitely meeting all the all the boxes so i just decided to continue studying my master with melbourne uni as well as the arc center and i must say that the um, center of excellence kind of extreme it's a very supportive environment for students and researchers and from there i get to meet you know you guys nci and many other researchers around the uh, country
1: And how would you say that aviation meteorology affects the average Australian?
0: I think every time when I brought up that I'm studying aviation meteorology, people was like, oh, then why aviation? It's that my topic, turbulence, you don't really necessarily feel that when you're on the ground. You don't really feel turbulence when you're driving in, a, in your car or you know taking public transport. But the only time that you can somehow feel turbulence is when you're in the air, in the aeroplane. So it somehow makes it sound a lot more specialised and fancy by putting the name in front of it. And turbulence, it does affect the average Australian a lot you might be really lucky today you're flying to Sydney, doesn't experience anything. Mm-hmm. But someone flying, you know, from Sydney to Perth might experience something really, you know, turbulating mid-air. And that turbulating can delay your flight, that can potentially bring damages to the aircraft itself, um, that can create like delays on the ground. And in fact, between 2005 and 2013, There's a lot of incidents happen. There was around 200 incident reports being viewed by the Australian aviation industry, and that's costing lots of money globally.
1: Yeah. I suppose there'd be a a lot of different forces in the air as opposed to on the ground, but not not just with the weather, but you've also got how the weather interacts with the forces that the aeroplane relies on, like the Bernoulli effect, to keep flying in the direction that they want to fly. and. All of those forces need a lot of thinking power. How do you use high-performance computing and big data in your research?
0: So for me specifically, my current research project bases on a very large data set. Um, I'm talking about an airplane flying into a storm center and do a bit of wild flying and got all the data back. And I'm looking at a 287 uh, variable base data set. So for me, the first step is I actually need to be filtering all of the data to pick up the one that I want specifically and save them somewhere that I can assess easily without causing a lot of computing power.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: for me, high-performance computing definitely cuts processing time a lot, a lot. It saves me a lot of time and makes my project um, go faster. And, and for those data, I can't really store in my computer neither because they're really big. Some of my colleagues using 50 50 gigabyte data. For me, I might be a lot more luckier. But our data set are really big and nci provide this kind of storage space for us to put our data there and we can access it anywhere in the world and we can use it anytime as well
1: oh that's an interesting point because people think of supercomputers and they think that you must be at some console in the uh, in the vacuum sealed chamber with you know maybe you have got the tyvek suit on so that the shoes the dust from your shoes doesn't affect the computer but you can actually access it remotely
0: yes we can access it remotely and um we were really lucky in may the Centre of Excellence in Wireless all, all over to ANU to visit the computer itself, visit the room. And the room is amazing. It's not a vacuum sealed chamber and you can just walk in, you know, anywhere with your hair loose and what other shoes you want. The storage space is actually a lot bigger than the computer. That was definitely one of the highlights I got. Yeah, it's really cool seeing the computer we use every day is actually just in that special room.
1: Yeah, so you're saying that there's more space uh required for all the um all the storage all the all the hard yes. drives or ssds yes, as opposed apparently. to the actual
0: apparently yes
1: yeah oh i wouldn't have thought that so what system do you use at nci
0: so i just use guardi the most gardi is i think it's the main supercomputer and on guardi i just use python scripts to run my data analysis um and on guardi i also put my data on GData or Scratch, got a few different places I can put them and access them. And yeah, I've been focusing on Gadi the most because of the analysis packages that I need. Gadi has the most of it rather than the other uh, the few virtual space.
1: And has access to a system as powerful as Gadi changed the way that you go about your research?
0: Yes, Gadi is definitely one of the most powerful tools we have for the researchers it's so fast so powerful we can use it anytime and when people say oh you are so lucky work from home in fact i definitely can work from home because i don't have labs and i can i enjoy that a lot because of guardi because i can just install that on my computer anywhere and i can access it it's just so so convenient for us
1: yeah and so with your day-to-day work with guardi Is uh, most of your time devoted to measuring whether that has happened or predicting whether that will?
0: For me, my current project is to study the data we have a few years ago and hopefully from there we can find out how turbulence is affecting how the commercial system is affecting turbulence and hopefully we found something good that potentially can imply in the future. So I don't do day-to-day weather predictions, the bureau and someone else also do it on a separate computer. But for me, for I think, I think for me and for many, uh, my work colleague, we're just studying data specifically and we hopefully found some trend, found something new that can imply for the future. My data set is from the U.S., from the America. in twenty A few years ago, 2015, I think, mm-hmm. they have a um, really large field campaign supported by a few national organizations in America, in the um, Central America near the Rocky Mountain Range. And they are just have a few flights, got a bunch of really talented pilots that uh, fly a little 2 city plane, just go straight into the storm and do a few laps, diving in and diving up and get some data out. And uh, those data, I'm lucky to have one day of it at the moment as as some part of it. And I'm going to analyzing that weather events and repurposing the, um, the data to fit um, with my research to look at the turbulence. And I want to find out where the turbulence is located on the storm clouds. And hopefully something good happened like that.
1: That's fascinating, and uh, pretty brave pilots.
0: <laughs> yes, they are. Oh uh, yeah. I did mention it to my another colleague who happened to be a Qantas pilot, and I don't think he's approved that.
1: No, it is. I've I've seen the, like the parabolic flights.
0: Yeah, it's it, it's absolutely wild. I'm just looking at my data recently that I I do not believe people just fly straight in, dive down, and back up. It's just it's just crazy.
1: Very gutsy. And are there any technological advances in the pipeline that make you excited for what's coming in the future with aviation meteorology?
0: I think from my same colleague from Qantas, he mentioned that nowadays there are lots of different data visualization, instant data visualization on the personal devices. The pilots can access, you know, the turbulence data around the world at any time, real time data, and the same as the weather reports or weather briefing. There are just so many instant data and visualisation out there and that makes not only the industry but people maybe like you like the weather or just want to check what's going on out there. They can just access the data anywhere, anywhere they like. It's fascinating. It's, it's wonderful. It's, I, I think that not only makes the industry but also the average Australian being able to part of our community.
1: Yeah, the way that uh, you can access data from all sorts of things on mobile devices now really, uh, it it changes the way that we interact with the world that we're we're in.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: I've got solar panels on my roof recently and just being able to see how many megawatts or kilowatts I'm pulling from the sun at any any one time. So there's that and then, yeah, of course the weather. Anybody in Melbourne like yourself and myself is always keenly interested in the weather because, uh, as the old cliche goes, there's four seasons in one day. Yes. Oh, that's that's fascinating. And so, Crystal, what do you love most about your work?
0: For me, I really love the community. I really love our not only our school, um, our school of geography, the earth sciences and atmospheric science, but also the Center of Excellence and basically the whole research atmosphere that I am feeling right now as a master student, as a really newbie. I feel very much supportive. Not only the knowledge side, people always guiding me through and telling me what I can look for, and they are open for me to join any meetings to discuss about the weather, but also facility like NCI giving us unlimited quota of using it at any time. And the technician behind the NCI also helping us a lot. Those are the things that make me feel like I'm really valued in this community. And because of that, I really like to stay on and continue to do further studies.
1: Brilliant. And when you uh, when you graduate, what is your? Have you set a concrete goal yet? At where where you're uh, hoping to be?
0: I think I know that I really like really like storms. I really like tropical cyclones. I really like the weather. So I will definitely stay in this big uh, meteorology family to continue. But in terms of where my sushi is going to lie, I don't know. I would like to try on as many things as I can.
1: That's the exciting part, no doubt. Yes. Crystal, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you, Andy. Thank you, NCI.
1: And a big thanks to you. Yes, that's you with the earbuds in for listening to Science Bites. You can keep up with what Crystal's up to on Twitter at xcrystalshare. That's X-C-H-R-A-S-T-A-L-T-S-E. And NCI is on Twitter at NCI News and on LinkedIn as National Computational Infrastructure. Bye for now.